0: Good morning and welcome to another mini Monday episode of Crime Over Coffee. We're your hosts,
1: I'm Abby. And I'm Erica. Today I'm gonna to be telling you about the disappearance of Aton Pates. So get yourself a pumpkin spice latte and let's dive in. On May 25th, 1979, six-year-old Aton Pates was living in Manhattan, New York, with his parents, Julie and Stanley. This day specifically was the first day that his parents were allowing him to walk to his bus stop alone. His bus stop was only about two blocks away, so his parents thought nothing of it. They thought everything would be okay. However, he did not return home from school that afternoon, and his parents became very concerned, and they reported him missing. There's not a ton of information on his actual disappearance because nobody really knows what happened. He was at his house and then he just never came back and he never attended school that day. So sometime between the two blocks that it took for him to walk to his bus stop, he disappeared into thin air. What does that saying come from? Disappearing into thin air? So the technical phrase is vanish into thin air and that came from Shakespeare. So I don't really know why. Police started to investigate and try to figure out what had happened to him in that short amount of time that it would have taken for him to walk those two blocks, but they couldn't find any evidence. And there were a lot of people in the community that came together to search for him and to just see if they could find anything, if they could find him, maybe he somehow got lost. They didn't really know what to expect, but they were all trying and as a community looking for him. The community and the police were not able to find him anywhere, and his photo was actually the first missing child's photo to be printed on a milk carton. Was there any evidence found at all? No. They didn't find any sign or trace of him. There was one person that was the primary suspect during the investigation, and his name was Jose Ramos. So he was a friend of Aton's former babysitter. And Jose had been arrested sometime in the 80s for a child molestation charge in Pennsylvania. I hate to ask this, but was it a boy or a girl that he assaulted? A boy. Okay. Whenever he was arrested, I don't know the exact date, but it was in the 80s. So it would have been after Aton went missing. But he was questioned while in custody about the child molestation charge in Pennsylvania. Jose also confessed to abducting and raping a young boy the same day that Aton disappeared. Okay. So it was him? Well, in the description matched Aton's description. Okay. So it was him? That's what you'd think. He. Didn't say that it was Aton specifically, but he said he was 90% sure that it was him, which is a whole nother thing that bothers me. That he doesn't even
0: know. That you
1: don't even know. Like you completely disassociated the victim from the person and you don't even know who you're assaulting anymore. It sounds like a confession. Why didn't it go anywhere? Because there was nothing permanent that connected him to the case. And so authorities were not able to charge him. He still remains the primary suspect. It's insane to me that someone can confess to a crime and that's not enough. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it was because people confess all the time for fake, like they fake confess for publicity or whatever, but there was nothing solid. He couldn't say where Aton was. He didn't have any, any specific information. When he confessed, did he say that he murdered him as well? Nope. He just said that he had assaulted him. He just said that he abducted and raped him. In 1991, Jose was in prison for the child molestation charge, and he supposedly bragged to another inmate that he knew intimate details about Eitan's disappearance, which made police continue to be interested in him, but still not able to make a solid case and charges were dropped again, which is so unfortunate. An interesting fact about this is in 1983, President Ronald Reagan designated May 25th as National Missing Children's Day because that's the day that Aton Pates went missing. It sounds like he was trying to bring attention to a problem. Yes. And then, Abby, I think you'll like this. In 1984, the National Center for Missing Children was founded by John and Revy Walsh with the disappearance of Pates cited as one of the prime motivators alongside the abduction of their own son. I'm not surprised. There's definitely
0: some similarities going on there. Mm-hmm. For those of you who have maybe not heard before, I'm a big John Walsh fan. Yes, I talk about him quite a bit, and you could probably find some episodes where I talk about him.
1: Aton was officially declared dead in 2001, so about 22 years after he went missing. In 2004, Aton's parents filed a civil suit against Jose Ramos, and they won two million dollars in damages. However, still unable to charge him with the murder. It
0: is nice that that civil suit is an option. We've definitely had that before in some of our previous cases. It's not the closure they deserve, but it's something. Mm -hmm. At this point, you're thinking Jose did it, right? It sounds like all signs are pointing to him, but you said that in a way that I'm thinking something else is going to happen.
1: Well, police, because they weren't able to officially declare him, like charge him with the murder, they're like... We still should probably investigate the case. So in 2010, they reopened the investigation.
2: The mystery has been solved. Here at Crime Over Coffee, our go-to caffeinated beverage for every episode is Fire Department Coffee. And you can get some as well and save 15% with our exclusive coupon code CRIMEPOD15
1: The police excavated the foundation of a house that had been owned by one of Eitan's neighbors. And I don't know if it was because they were suspicious of them or what directly led to that, but the search led to nothing. But it brought attention back to the case and somebody called in a tip. There were a lot of tips that have been turned in, but one specific tip actually turned into something, and police went to check with a man named Pedro Hernandez. Pedro was a stock boy at a grocery store that was right next to Aton's bus stop. So a tip about him came yes. in? Yes. Okay. So he worked right at the grocery store right next to his bus stop at the time of the kidnapping. The tip that came in said that Pedro had admitted to killing a young boy And he admitted it at an open confessional at a church in 1982. So three years after Eitan's disappearance, he admits it in a church. Police go to his family and they're like, have you heard anything about it? Do you know any of this confession? And Pedro's brother-in-law and his wife confirmed that the confession did happen. And they said that it was actually a family secret that was a frequent topic of discussion ever since the basement had been dug up. They were all like concerned about it because they're like what if that's what he did?
0: I don't understand how if you know about this, you don't come forward. I have no idea. I don't think family loyalty trumps something like that.
1: Yeah. So family loyalty does not trump this. And the brother is actually the one who called in the tip about Pedro. In 2015, Pedro was interrogated, and he ended up confessing to luring Aton into the grocery store basement by asking him if he wanted a soda. He then strangled him and dumped his body in a nearby trash can. He didn't have a motive, he said, and he claimed that he never harmed another child. So at this point in time, Pedro was actually in his 50s. I don't know exactly how old. I saw 51, 52, 56... Saw a couple different ages. I don't know exactly how old he was during the time of the trial. But the first trial was actually declared a mistrial because the jury became gridlocked due to the lack of having a body. And the defense had said that psychological evaluations for Pedro said that he had multiple mental illnesses that would have tainted his confession. The jury was like, no, I just one person. It was an 11 to one verdict. One person just said, no, I don't want to go for it.
0: Which, okay, that's their choice. I mean, Jose confessed and. Same thing, you know, there's a bunch of people confessing. They're not all involved. So if they're saying, you know, maybe he lied and confessed and it wasn't true, I can understand a little
1: hesitation when you don't have the physical evidence there. I'm wondering if there was some sort of physical evidence because on April 18, 2017, a new jury found him guilty of kidnapping and murder and he was sentenced to 25 years to life in federal prison. So what happened to Jose? He served out his time for the child molestation charge. I don't really know what happened to him after that.
0: I was just thinking cuz they, you know, they won that civil suit and he wasn't even involved then. Mm-hmm.
1: It's kind of crazy. It's really sad that it took 38 years to give the family closure. Even though they got closure, they still don't know what happened to Aton's body. They don't they don't have a ton of answers. Pedro is serving his time in prison, and Stanley Pates actually said after Pedro was sentenced, he said, quote, the Pates family has waited a long time, but we finally found some measure of justice for our wonderful little boy, Aton." end quote.
2: Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Crime Over Coffee. You can find us on Instagram at Crime Over Coffee or on Facebook at Crime Over Coffee Podcast, where all of our photo and video content for each episode can be found.